This is A Word, a podcast from Slate. I'm your host, Jason Johnson. Artificial intelligence plays a growing and largely invisible role in many of our lives. But AI often reflects the biases of its creators. And when AI is used in healthcare, the consequences can mean life and death. The idea that accountability gets murky, and is it with the data and who collects the data? Is it with who receives the data and makes it into some technology? Is it with the people who decide to use that technology? Is a really complicated question. AI and medical racism coming up on A Word with me, Jason Johnson. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Can you set the stage a little bit so people understand what happened? In 1969, 14 black student-athletes were kicked off their university's American football team for planning a show of support against racism. We were really protesting our treatment on the field. Amazing Sports Stories from the BBC World Service tells their story. We became brothers that day when he did that to us. We made a change. Fighting for what we deserve. Search for Amazing Sports Stories wherever you get your BBC podcasts. Welcome to Word, a podcast about race and politics and everything else. I'm your host, Jason Johnson. At its best, artificial intelligence is supposed to improve our lives and replace the uneven judgment of human beings with objective data-driven problem solving. But at its worst, AI can mechanize and replicate the biases of the humans who created it. Nowhere is that more consequential than in healthcare. With AI increasingly involved in deciding who needs care and how it should be delivered, racial bias in our doctor's offices and hospitals may be less visible, but it's just as dangerous. Joining us to talk about this is Margot Snipe. She's the national health reporter for Capital B News, a nonprofit news site focused on the African-American community. Margot Snipe, welcome to A Word. Hello. Thank you for having me. So I am not a fan of AI, and it's not just because I grew up you know, watching the Matrix and Terminator movies. Um, It's because I've always had some concerns about sort of the genesis of it and objectivity sometimes has its own problems. So the centerpiece of your story about AI was about how healthcare assessment tools are missing the severity of COVID within Black patients. Explain a little bit about the particular device that AI played a role in and, and how that was harming people. I sort of like you have shied away from touching AI for a minute. Um, And then I realized as a health reporter, I just really couldn't. It's really everything that the medical community is talking about right now. A lot of even medical school, like their scientific kind of magazines are all have been all about AI kind of since the fall. But what I kind of dug into in this story is about kind of a mix of AI and algorithms and how they're being used in healthcare. But this question of who's responsible when these tools or these technologies perpetuate medical racism. These questions that I was asking experts led me to this lawsuit out of California, looking specifically at pulse oximeters. They came up a ton during COVID. 
Now, hold one second, just just for those of us who um, are pretending that COVID is over, and also for those of us who are not medical experts, what's up? What is that piece of equipment? It's basically the thing that's put that's clipped onto your finger um, to basically measure your blood oxygen levels. So it tells you, like, you know, how much oxygen is getting into your blood, essentially. How these devices work is they kind of shoot some light through your finger, and these equations will kind of spit out a number that tells you how, quote unquote, healthy you are. Where it gets funky is that if these devices were tested on people with lighter skin tones, the light goes through your finger differently in someone with a lighter complexion than it might a darker complexion. So that has critical implications when you're talking about a pandemic where really split-second decisions were made based on how healthy you are based on these devices. So if you call an ambulance and they come to your house and they put the pulse oximeter on your finger and they give you a number, that has consequences for decisions. If you're in an overrun hospital and they they put this device on your finger and they're figuring out who to admit or not, that has consequences. Or if you're at home and your doctor says monitor your levels at home and you're using this device, it has consequences. How was it discovered that pulse oximeters were not recording the oxygen levels of of African-Americans and I suspect actually other people with more melanin? How was that discovered? So a big report kind of hit the seed in December of 2020 that kind of rang the alarms about this issue that basically kind of set the stage for peak pandemic winter 2020 when you're you're looking at all these things and we're talking about health disparities and medical racism and then this report hits that basically says these devices aren't working well kind of like sets the scene for really pushing this issue to the forefront. I got to in my research this lawsuit out of California about these devices and it's a, it's a community clinic in East Oakland who's putting forth the lawsuit, but their founding CEO was basically like, I read this report and I was shocked, but I asked all my friends in medicine, all these people who worked in different you know sectors of medicine, did you know about this? Did you know about this? And she said, nobody had any idea. And she felt like she needed to do something to ring the alarm. The COVID crisis devastated the Black community on a lot of levels. And, and I remember actually um, going in early 2021, um, I did some sort of back of the envelope calculations and Black people who were contracting COVID were actually dying at a higher rate than than enslaved people were dying on the Middle Passage. Like it was the, the numbers were horrific, especially in certain parts of the country. Is it possible to quantify the harm that bias in AI and medical tests are tied to? Where are the numbers in how this AI in tech is harming Black folks? That is a really, really great question. The first thing that came to my mind is how complex and how much AI and algorithms have infiltrated healthcare in ways that might not be quantifiable or how it's quantifiable for like x-rays is different than, you know, these equations that look at blood oxygen levels. I was also looking at this report that I reported on. It was out of the UK, but it, it, it used AI in medicine in kind of a new way that I haven't heard of, which is used an AI-powered analytic tool to actually comb through social media 
and look at how sickle cell patients were talking about their experience in healthcare. And the story turned into kind of a solution story. Actually, could this type of technology be effective at bringing in Black patients' voices to medicine more effectively? Because it, it tells you what they're struggling with. Um, it, it talked about how frequently their, dis- their pain is dismissed in medical settings. It's kind of like a new innovative way at gathering Black patients' voices and analyzing them and kind of using them to propel future medical research or just like raising awareness that sickle cell patients don't feel heard. So there's a lot of different ways that AI is being used, even to like plan patient schedules or predict who's going to show up to follow-up appointments. So I think that it's a, it's a big ecosystem of how AI is in the system. We're going to take a short break and we come back more on artificial intelligence and medical racism. This is a word with Jason Johnson. Stay tuned. This is Jason Johnson, host of a word slates podcast about race and politics and everything else. I want to take a moment to welcome our new listeners. If you've discovered a word and like what you hear, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. And let us know what you think by writing us at a word at slate.com. Thank you. Can you set the stage a little bit so people understand what happened? In 1969, 14 black student athletes were kicked off their university's American football team for planning a show of support against racism. We were really protesting our treatment on the field. Amazing Sports Stories from the BBC World Service tells their story. We became brothers that day when he did that to us. We made a change. Fighting for what we deserve. Search for Amazing Sports Stories wherever you get your BBC podcasts. You're listening to A Word with Jason Johnson. Today we're talking about AI and medical racism with journalist Margot Snipe. Here's the thing. The COVID crisis was possibly the most dramatic example of how AI and tech is affected by racial bias. But... How is it sort of manifesting in things that are less visible, like diabetes or basic healthcare? Because you gave these examples of where AI and tech comes into decision making. Who's more likely to show up for follow ups? I know that sort of thing can affect your insurance. Or what I think about is algorithms about, okay, who's more likely to pay? Are there sort of more subtle ways? that these algorithms and calculations are coming into play that could be disproportionately harming black people because they don't control for other factors like class or systematic racism. I think we're like starting to see the research that says this AI technology works worse for black patients in predicting stroke risk or works less well for predicting cancer or diagnosing cancer. And then when you look at just the algorithm piece of it, there's an algorithm that basically measures kidney function that will say Black patients' kidney functions healthier than it actually is, which has implications for transplant lists and also um, treatment plans. I want to follow up on that because that was one of the really interesting things I saw in your article. The implication of that is pretty pretty dire because if the internal tech is saying, hey, black people are generally healthier, black kidneys are, are functioning at a higher level than they are, then you're throwing people off lists and that could result in them never getting a kidney 
never being high on a donor list and and possibly dying. But one of the other things that sort of occurs to me when I think about this is if you're having a situation where, say, somebody is knocked off a donor list because they're perceived as having a higher functioning kidneys or higher functioning lungs or something else like that, that could have massive consequences. You talk about the lawsuit that's being put together by the community clinics in California. Are there other organizations um, be they political organizations like the NAACP, the Urban League, are there any other organizations that are suing medical tech companies saying, hey, look, this is having a disproportionate impact? Is the Department of Justice taking a look at this? Or is anyone else looking at where this tech is is having a disproportionate impact and saying, hey, look, these consequences are life and death. We need to do something. I think a lot of different groups are definitely looking at this issue. When I started asking experts like who's responsible when this technology sort of goes awry. They led me to this lawsuit, which seems to be one of the first in taking this approach. And they they kind of centered it on um, California's consumer protection laws and and what that means for basically any consumer who's used this device has been harmed is the argument. Um So they want them off shelves and out of offices at its best, or at least with a warning label. 25 state attorney generals sent a letter to the FDA, basically urging them to do something on the specific issues of, you know, the devices used to measure the blood oxygen levels. And I think that different groups sort of involvement on this topic is goes beyond medicine, right? I mean, because we've been seeing it in criminal justice, you know, a lot of other industries are kind of seeing the same thing pop up. Where does this come into play? Because one of the other issues, I have a dear friend who who passed of, of sickle cell three years ago, and he did a tremendous amount of work on inherent bias in medicine, even in sort of reporting and everything else like that. What he pointed to is that very often white doctors or non-black doctors would hear pain reports Uh, from black patients and lower them. What I'm curious about is at this point in, say, a modern hospital, Margot, where is the line between human decision-making being replaced by potential AI or algorithms? Is the buck stopping with human doctors more in, say, heart surgery than it is in, you know, cancer work? Where do we see sort of AI and and algorithms playing a larger role? I haven't really seen anything that hasn't been touched by AI and medicine. It's really pretty sweeping. I've seen some research and I wish I could place it for this conversation and sort of give it credit, but basically looked at how AI functions compared to humans and in terms of this question of racial bias. Maybe the racial bias is like 40% with a human and AI makes it 32 what does that mean? If you're perpetuating less racism with an algorithm, is that progress? We're going to take a short break and we come back more about AI and medical racism with journalist Margot Snipe. This is A Word with Jason Johnson. Stay tuned. You're listening to Word with Jason Johnson. Today, we're talking about AI and medical racism with journalist Margot Snipe. So, Earlier in our conversation, you talked about how AI bias affected the reading of blood oxygen levels for black folks. We've talked about how that's currently a lawsuit. 
where does that case stand right now? And and this is why I brought in earlier this idea of where the Department of Justice comes in, because that is a heavy lift. It is a heavy lift for any community organization to sue some large medical equipment manufacturer and get them to admit that there's disparate impact. Is is the lawsuit going? Is it currently in appeals? Where is it right now? Last time we talked, they are waiting on a court date to be set. Um, And as of that time, I mean, they listed a bunch of different sort of players on this topic. I mean, Walgreens, CVS, other manufacturers and sellers of these devices. Um, But since the court date hadn't been set yet, they hadn't heard a response back from any of these parties. We have this conversation a lot. We've had various guests come and talk about sort of scientific racism, technological racism, and the the sort of core conclusion that everybody always brings us to is part of why this happens is because it's kind of garbage in, garbage out. If the people who are creating the algorithm are only, you know, analyzing 50 black samples and 300 white samples, that's where your problem becomes. If the people who are you know, developing the the observation technology, you know, only assume one kind of hair, then, okay, you're going to have these kinds of issues. Are there black people in AI? Are there black people in tech right now who are raising the alarm bells about this kind of issue? Yes, for sure. Um, and those are the people that really I've been talking to in my reporting, trying to get a sense. I mean, there, there are a good amount of black women working in this space at the intersections of medicine, racism, technology, who I've been trying to really talk to about what's happening, who pointed me to this lawsuit and um, who had thoughts about accountability. But we were even talking about how the FDA is kind of catching a lot of heat from this. What can they do as this regulatory sort of agency in these new technologies and innovation. But something that was interesting is they had to be pretty responsive. But the question that I asked was, is there anybody like trying to catch it before it's on the scene? One expert told me there are people who are like, if you created this algorithm to do this thing, how much bias would it perpetuate? And where can we kind of mitigate that? So there are researchers trying to figure out how to fix these issues before it kind of hits the scene and is a crisis and now we need to fix it. But the point you had raised about who this stuff is being tested on or what data we're using is an interesting one. And it's not just medicine, it's for all sort of artificial intelligence. But the question of what data is being collected and not collected is not a necessarily new one. When you look at it historically, it's kind of interesting because you have this really deep history of Black folks non-consensually being experimented on and tested. Henrietta Lacks, her stolen cells, but also um, sort of the, the father of gynecology experimented on enslaved Black women to get this data that would ultimately help white communities. But today it's kind of the inverse where white communities have this access to clinical trials or testing. And so Black folks aren't being reflected in in those trials. And also think about where the data is coming from. So most of the data experts have told me is coming from Massachusetts, New York, and California, I believe. Um, And with medicine, you're talking about like big hospitals, like Massachusetts General and kind of these big groups. But that might not necessarily tell you what's happening at the community clinic 
that Black folks are going to. Anytime the medical industry as a whole um, is sued or Congress or somebody is trying to hold them accountable, they're usually trying to skirt out from under it. Uh, well, you know, this, is, this isn't our fault or this is individual doctor error. You can't say it's systematic. I'm wondering, though, is part of the appeal of AI and algorithms in medicine the fact that it obscures and possibly complicates the ability to find who is accountable in medical malpractice. Is that part of the appeal that throwing in this extra layer in analysis can basically be a buffer zone for hospital and medical accountability? Such an interesting question. And here is where I actually have a little bit of optimism. When I set out on this journey to sort of learn more about this topic, I was actually really surprised at how, um, I think on the most basic level, people are really trying to use artificial intelligence as a way to kind of support doctors who are really overworked, really overburdened. What's taking 5% of a doctor's time that can now take one of a percent of a doctor's time so that they can actually spend more time with you as a patient? And so it really feels like that's kind of the driver behind this use of AI. And I I don't think that's exclusive to medicine, but the idea that accountability gets murky and is it with the data and who collects the data? Is it with who receives the data and makes it into some technology? Is it with the people who decide to use that technology is a really complicated question. And yes, I I do think that we're going to have to watch and see how that accountability really plays out. Or is it with the FDA, this big sort of regulatory agency? Um, And I think the FDA has caught a lot of the heat at this, at the moment, probably most of the heat on this issue. The accountability is like a complicated byproduct of what feels like an intention to really make the medical community less overworked or even more ideal, create something that was free of racism. But yeah, I'm a little, I think, optimistic on that point. Is there any way that patients can be aware of what role artificial intelligence might be playing in their medical process? And if so, is there a way that someone can say, hey, look, you know, at that level, I'd like to, I'd say it's akin to if you get pulled over, if you get a ticket, right? And if you get a ticket by an automatic speed camera, it there's a difference between that and if you get pulled over by an actual police officer and you can appeal automatic speed cameras in a different sort of way. Is there a version of that in AI? Is there a way you can say, hey, look, I don't think this evaluation was fair because at this point AI stepped in. Is there any way for people to be informed about the role AI is playing in their medical diagnoses? Or are we basically just victims to whatever gets comes back from our HMO? Well, I will be covering artificial intelligence and healthcare medical racism for a while. So I'm hoping to answer some of those questions or just sort of like lay out in the next month or so all the ways that AI is affecting different people's care. But also, I think it's not as... Some of it's under the radar, some of it's not. Um, I know that women are going in for their mammograms and basically being asked if they want to add artificial intelligence to their image analysis for an extra $40. Then I have questions like, what is AI going to tell me that the doctor's not? And the whole other tangent is who has the extra $40 to even access that technology. In some cases, it's kind of in your face. You get to make a choice about it. 
in other ways, it's maybe not. If it's the remote technology that's, you know, taking the notes in your medical file, the first thing you can do is probably ask, how is AI infiltrating the, the care that I'm receiving? But I think we're probably bumping against it, AI and algorithms and medicine, probably more than we think we are. Margot Snipe is the national health reporter for Capital B News. Thank you so much for joining me today. Much appreciated. Thank you. And that's a word for this week. The show's email is a word at slate.com. This episode was produced by Christy Taiwo Macanjula. Ben Richmond is Slate's Senior Director of Podcast Operations. Alicia Montgomery is the Vice President of Slate Audio. Our theme music was produced by Don Will. I'm Jason Johnson. Tune in next week for a word. <laughs>